back to Swish Podcast. I'm Jake. And I'm also Jake. And today we have a very, very special episode. Today we're excited to welcome the Toronto Blue Jays play-by-play announcer and a longtime ESPN Major League Baseball and men's college basketball announcer, as well as a podcast host himself. Today we have Dan Schulman. Dan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. How are you? My pleasure, guys. I'm good. Happy to be with you today. Great. So are we. And we're on jump right in our first question for you dan is how did you become interested in sports and did you root for any teams or players growing up so uh i was interested in sports as long as i can remember i i would guess by the time i was two or three years old i was already into it that's what my parents have always told me um my my the the first team that i remember rooting for was the toronto maple leaf so i'm from toronto i still live in toronto hockey's obviously very big in canada and when i was a little kid The Blue Jays didn't exist yet, and the Raptors didn't exist yet. So I think it was just always in me. My dad was a huge sports fan, and I kind of grew up, I guess, uh, loving sports because of that. But if I go back as far as I can remember and even beyond, it would be the Maple Leafs that were the first team for me. So what specifically got you into the broadcasting side of sports? Well, that's a long answer. I'll try to make it a little bit short. So I did not study it in school. Uh, you know, maybe as you guys get older, you will, if this is a passion of yours. Uh, I was a math major when I went to university, but um, as just an extracurricular thing on the side, uh, I went to school at, uh, at the University of Western Ontario in London, Ontario, and they, they had a radio station and I knocked on the door one day and, and asked if they needed volunteers and they said yes. And this was not, this was a million years ago and it wasn't, you know, a big established program like a Syracuse or a USC or Arizona state have. And, and the next week I was doing a football game. That's, that's how crazy it was. And I just loved it. Um, and, you know, some buddies of mine said, you know, you're not half bad. And, and, but I just did it as a hobby in school. And then after I graduated and worked in something else for a while, I decided I wanted to give it a try. And I, I had some old tapes of mine from university and, this is the 1980s, so I was mailing out cassette tapes and and got very lucky and got a part-time job in a small city called Barrie, about 50 miles north of Toronto, and, and one thing led to another. So what was it like starting your broadcasting career at Western Ontario? It was really fun. I mean, again, I was just doing it for fun. I wasn't trying to get into a, a career at that point. I was 18 years old. And I remember the first football game I did. It was in October of 1985, Western and Windsor. Um, and I just went on in the air and started talking. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. I, again, I wasn't in a broadcasting program. I didn't have any mentors or anything like that, but I had a great, great time when I was in school, I called basketball games, football games, a little bit of hockey, and I had a talk show. Um, and again, when I graduated, I thought that was it. I never thought I would do it again, but I wound up in it, as I mentioned before, But it was, you know what, it taught me a lesson, and that lesson is to pursue your passion, is to do something you love. Whatever it is you're going to do for a living, you're going to do it for 40 years or something like that. You may as well try to find something you enjoy. So you've done both radio and TV. So what what was what's it like doing radio as opposed to TV? So like, what are the differences between the two? Right. So the only sport where I've done both is baseball. I don't really do, haven't really done radio basketball. Um, I did a talk show for many years on a Toronto radio station on radio. But in terms of calling baseball games, you know, when you do a game on TV and you guys know, you watch the game, you can see the score, you can see what inning it is, you can see where the runners are. So you don't need to say those things all that much. On radio, you need to say them constantly. 
you know, welcome back to Rogers Center, runners at second and third, two down and a one and one count on Cohen and, you know, that sort of thing. You got to over and over and over again. So um, you've always got to keep the listener informed of what's going on. On TV, the cameras and the, and the bug, the scoreboard that you see, they do a lot of the work for you. So you have more time for stories on television. Radio, it's more time spent just keeping people up to date. So what was it like, just as you said, getting the job in 1995 for TSN as the Blue Jays play-by-play announcer? That was the biggest break in my career, without question. And I've had a lot of lucky breaks. But I was a radio host in Toronto, and I did uh, the the pre- and post-game shows on the Blue Jays radio network. But I wasn't a play-by-play guy at that point. I'd never done baseball. And the the play-by-play announcer who was doing baseball, he was also doing hockey, and he decided to cut back and just focus on hockey, and the job became open. And I got a call and asked if I wanted to audition. And I said, yes. And I auditioned and I didn't get the job. And then about three months later, I got a call back saying, are you still interested? And I said, of course. And I don't know who plan A and plan B and plan C were, but I'm glad they said no, or they, it couldn't work out. The biggest break of my career was getting the Toronto Blue Jays job. I was 28 years old and was, a and was calling major league baseball games. And, and, you know, the, the Blue Jays, I don't get ESPN without the Blue Jays. So, and the Blue Jays are my hometown team. All my friends and family love them. So it was beyond a dream come true. I couldn't even believe I was being considered for the job, much less that I got it. So what have been like some of your favorite moments to call as a play-by-play announcer? So um, I do two different sports, as you, as you said. So for baseball, uh, I do the playoffs every year for ESPN radio, and I've done the last 11 World Series, have been very blessed to do that. So my first World Series, St. Louis, Texas, was incredibly special. Calling the Cubs winning a World Series in 2016. How many people can say they've called a, the Cubs winning a World Series? Um, I also, for ESPN radio, called, uh, we call it the bat flip game up here, Jose Bautista in 2015, the huge home run in game five against Texas. I did that game for ESPN radio. I've done a couple of no hitters for ESPN television, which were very fun. And then college basketball, there have been so, you know, I've been so lucky to go to Kansas and Kentucky and UCLA and so many different places, but right at the top of the list uh, are all the Duke Carolina games, Duke and North Carolina that I've done. I've been doing them for about 13, 14 years now. And uh, every time I walk into the Dean Smith center or to Cameron indoor stadium, I tell myself how lucky I am because uh, there's only there's only one rivalry like that, and, and I'm very lucky to be able to call those games. So what has it been like at ESPN, and what was it like doing Sunday baseball with such a great cast of color analysts? It was great. Um, uh, I had kind of different analysts almost every year, which isn't the way you, you draw it up, but for one reason or another, people came and people went. But I had a chance to work with people like Terry Francona and Oral Hershiser and John Cruck and Aaron Boone and so many others, and um, and all those people I, I'm lucky enough to be friends with to this day. So I, again, I'm just a kid from Canada who didn't even have a, broad, a broadcasting degree. So to wind up doing what I was doing and to be able to work with great people like that and to be able to call them friends was was and is and always will be very special. I, I you know I learned a ton about baseball from all of them. And I, I like to think we all all of them, we all had fun broadcasting together. You know, Sunday Night Baseball, I did it for seven years and and it was a great, great experience. It's a very special job. You know, it's the game of the week. There's no other game being played. Uh, there are no other games being played when that game's being played. And that was that's one of the highlights of my career. So what's it been like working with Jay Billis on college basketball games for ESPN? 
It's great. I mean, my college basketball career has kind of been half with Dick Vitale, half with Jay Billis. I've worked with other people too, but Jay's fantastic. I mean, he's as good an analyst as there is in any sport on television. Uh, as smart a guy as I've ever sat beside calling games. Um, and and we, re we really enjoy working together. And, and um, you know, sometimes we, we get serious and call the game and sometimes we poke fun at each other. Sometimes I get confused for him because we're both tall guys who are bald. And, and so sometimes people think I'm him when I walk into an arena for a little bit, but um, it, it's, it's been really great. We first worked together every now and again, probably almost 25 years ago, but for the last six or seven years, we've been working together um, all the time. And it, it, it's been great. I, again, just like I said, I learned a lot about baseball from the baseball analysts. I mentioned, I've learned a ton about basketball from Jay. So in 2011, you were awarded the National Sportscaster of the Year by National Sportscasters and Sports Writers Association. So how did how is it like getting that big award? That that blew me away, to be honest with you. I mean, again, that that so that's a U.S. award, and and I'm a Canadian guy, and and I got it for my work in the U.S. Uh, I knew I had been nominated, uh, or I knew I'd been named one of the finalists. I guess there are ten finalists every year. I wouldn't have bet a nickel that I, that I was going to win it. And, and it blew me away when I got the phone call. I, I remember where I was to this day when I got the phone call and I went down to North Carolina to accept the award and, and made a speech, which is not a very me thing to do. And um, it, 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 it was really something. I, I, I didn't know how to, how to react to it because I looked at the names of the other people who had won it. And I looked at the names of the other people who had been named finalists that year. And I was just thrilled to be, you know, one, one of the people on a list, I, I never expected to win it. So that, that was quite something. So jumping to 2015, you returned to the Blue Jays booth, but this time with Sportsnet. So, you know, what was it like returning to the Blue Jays booth? And um... it, it was fun. Yeah. So I, I worked for the Blue Jays from 1995 to 2001, and then I went full-time to ESPN. And I, I think I always felt that there would come a time when I wanted to come back to Toronto again. And it just felt right uh, for a, a variety of personal and professional reasons. And in some ways, so many things had changed. And in some ways, a lot was the same. You know, I worked, uh, I worked and work with the same people now that I did before I left in 2001. They're all still there, uh, the, the people in the booth. So, um, but it was great coming home. It was so much fun. You know, as somebody who lives in Toronto but works for ESPN, I, I, there are no such thing as, as home games. Every game was get on a plane. And, and go somewhere and then come back home. It was nice to be able to sleep in my own bed every, every now and again. And it still is every now and again, when I do games and it was nice to get reacquainted with old friends. And, and I also have really enjoyed maybe more than I appreciated the first time around the relationship you have when you call games for a team, you know, um, and, and they're both great, but being a broadcaster for a national network is be, is different than calling games for a team. You know, when you call games for a team, you develop relationships, um, you get to know people. Uh, and it's there's there's that sense of familiarity that uh, that I, I'm really enjoying as well. Can you talk a little about your podcast calls Swing a Bell on Sportsnet? Actually, I don't do it anymore. I did it for a couple of years, but I stopped two years ago. So I did enjoy that. But between the Blue Jays and all my ES, ESPN stuff as well, something had to give. So um, I stopped doing it a couple of years ago, but I did enjoy it. It was a chance to work on some other skills, uh, writing, interviewing, things like that, that I don't really do uh, when I'm doing play by play. And I'll, I'll, I'll always be glad that I did it. And uh, um, I, I had fun doing it. I thought we did some pretty good stuff and told some pretty good stories, but I don't do it anymore. 
So to talk about the Blue Jays, they've had a very busy offseason. They brought in Kevin Gosman, Yusei Kikuchi. They extended Jose Barrios. Now there are reports that they're going after Kyle Schwarber and they're involved in the Freddie Freeman sweepstakes. So what have been your thoughts on their offseason? And do you think they land one of those two bats? Yeah, I, th- I think they've had a good offseason. I mean, they're clearly a contender now, and they're clearly spending like they're a contender. And in the American League East, you have to do that to keep up with the big boys. So the Freddie Freeman rumors obviously are making everybody very excited up here. Whether they get him or not, I don't know. How they make it work if they get him, because Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is a first baseman, I don't know. Do they move Vladdy back to third? Uh, sometimes, you know, they'd have to figure that out. Um, Freddie, uh, you guys may not know this, both of his parents are Canadian and he played for Canada in the World Baseball Classic in 2017. So people up here already love him, even though he's been an Atlanta Brave his whole career. Um, if they don't get him and they go after Kyle Schwarber, that would be a good addition as well. A left-handed batter who gets on base a lot. The Blue Jays are very heavily right-handed in their lineup. And I do think they need to even that out a little bit. They're going to get one or two left-handed batters or switch hitters. I I truly believe that and try to balance their lineup out a little bit more, but they're a really good team. They finished one game out of the playoffs last year, and that's with them having to play in Florida, then Buffalo, then Toronto because of COVID rules and border restrictions. And that's with George Springer missing half the year and, uh, and and a lot of things. So, and, and, and also there's one more playoff spot available in the, in the, in each league this year than there was last year. So I think everybody would be very disappointed if this team didn't make the playoffs this year. So lastly, before we get into four quick rapid fire questions, who do you think is going to win? Who's your pick to win the NCAA men's basketball tournament? March if I had to pick and I'm always wrong, like most other people, cause it's such a crapshoot. But if I had to pick, I would pick Gonzaga over Arizona in the final. So we're going to four quick questions before we end our great interview with you, Dan. First one is, what's your favorite place you've traveled to for a game? For basketball, it would be Kansas 1 and Duke 2. For baseball, it would be um, either Fenway Park, Wrigley Field, uh, or I, I think the Giants Stadium is still called AT&T. They changed it a lot, but, uh, but San Francisco, those are, those are my favorite ballparks. Out of all the games you've called in your career, which one is your favorite? Game six of the 2011 World Series. I talked about it a little bit. It was my first World Series, so so exciting. St. Louis and Texas, and Texas is one strike away from winning the World Series. And David Freeze triples in the ninth to tie it and homers in the 11th to win it. That's my favorite all-time game. What do you think is your favorite hobby outside of broadcasting? I don't really have very many. I got, I've got kids and I like getting my sleep and I read and I play some basketball. Um, so, but I, I, I'm a bit of a prepaholic. I'm always watching games for whatever my next game is. So, but you know, I read, I walk my dog, I watch TV with my wife and, uh, that, that, that's about it. I'm a really boring guy to be honest with you. And lastly, what was your favorite moment of the recent game of coach K's, um, last game at Cameron? It was actually before the game. It was just the anticipation and the energy in the arena before the game started. Um, I was in our broadcast location, which at Duke is up. It's high up in a what they call the crow's nest there. And seeing Grant Hill walk in or seeing Christian Leitner walk in or seeing J.J. Redick walk in or Dirk Nowitzki and, you know, all the other uh, stars and celebrities who were there. It was just the energy in the building. It was just really cool. I, um, you know, it's the last home game for as successful a coach as college basketball has ever had. Once the game started, it was a game and it was a great game. I thought, you know, North Carolina spoiled the party, 
but it was the moments leading up to the game that I'll remember the most. So how that was a great interview, Dan. Thank you so so much for coming on the podcast. We hope you have a great rest of your day and good luck in the future. Thanks guys. Keep up the great work. You sound pretty good. Keep it going. Thank you guys. And we'll see you in the next episode.